Welcome to the My New Life Message with Mac McDonald. As a former member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saint, or formerly known as Mormon, Mac converted to Christianity on September 29, 2020, and it has since changed his life. With a love and passion for his LDS friends and the LDS people, Mac's heart is inspired to open the eyes and ears to those friends and members and lead them to the Word of God found only in the Bible. Salvation is only given through Jesus Christ, and it is Mac's passion to lead members and friends to Christ and His road to salvation. Welcome everyone to My New Life. My name is Mac McDonald. Before we get started today, I just wanted to give a quick thank you, shout out to both Pastor Tyler Boring and Pastor Ray McCormick. Both of these men have been great influences in helping me getting this podcast up and going. And both of them have different sermon styles and are amazing at what they do. And I just love listening to them preach. I was learning the other day when I was talking to Pastor Boring that he actually was reading his entire sermons every time he gets up. And I was saying, Tyler, that's amazing because you would never know that you're doing that. And he said, well, understand this, Mac. Would you rather get your point across and sound like you're reading or would you rather not get your point across and sound natural? And I said, well, the answer is obvious. And he said, well, for, for him, that's easier approach. And he gets his point across from each sermon. And he's refined it to the point where he doesn't sound like he's reading anymore. I've talked to Pastor McCormick about it, and he is just an amazing preacher all on his own, but his technique and his style is totally different than that. Just as amazing, just as well as getting his point across, but totally different style as far as method of getting that point across. So for the time being, I'm going to write these messages down, and it may sound like I'm reading, but I'm more concerned and emphasis is on the point as, as opposed to how I sound. So if I don't sound fluid or I don't sound natural, I, I apologize in advance, but I'd much rather you get the point of my message. So again, welcome to my new life. Today's topic is the Holy Spirit. A faith crisis is something that people go through when they come to the conclusion that God does not exist. That is the feeling that most people have in a general sense. However, being born and raised as a Latter-day Saint, it takes on a whole new meaning. Looking back on my life as an example, there were things that happened that I thought led me to believe they were manifestations that the church was true simply because the Holy Spirit, I thought, made those things possible. That and my priesthood. One story in particular while serving in a bishopric that was one of my many manifestations of the truthfulness of the church was as follows. I've been called to serve as a second counselor in a bishopric, which regarding the experience of how I was called as a counselor in that bishopric was in itself another pillar of my belief in the church. Over the years, I've learned that I enjoy teaching, educating, and speaking much more than I enjoy administration or management. As a member of a bishopric, you spend your time in many meetings and also counseling those areas of the ward that you are in responsibility of. The majority of your time is spent doing just that. The two gentlemen that I served with 
had far more experience in the area of administration than I did, and this was in their professional life as well, and I really couldn't add much more to their expertise. However, when it came to time to speak to or teach, they relied heavily on me, which I loved because those were my moments to do something I loved and enjoyed. I had a few one-on-one discussions with my bishop telling him that I felt that I didn't contribute as much and was worried he thought I lacked in that area of administration. He assured me that he loved my input and leaned on me heavily for areas that were what he felt his weaknesses. Things like meeting with families that were in need or going out to meet new members of our ward, helping with those responsibilities and likewise instruction and advice to members he felt was why he was inspired to have me in the bishopric. It had been about 18 months since being called to the bishopric when we found ourselves in a meeting to fill several vacancies in the, in the ward. These vacancies were in areas that we needed specific talents in both leadership and teaching. One of those positions was that of young men's president and scoutmaster. Each member had a small magnetic name plaque as members of the ward and those were placed on a board which had each organization and the people who currently served in those areas broken down into presidencies, counselors, teachers, etc. Before the meeting, we would always open with a word of prayer and in this situation, ask for help and guidance in filling the needed positions of the ward according to the Lord's will. We've been working on this all week and nothing seemed to fit right. We stopped in the midst of one meeting of these meetings and prayed again for guidance since we still were left empty as to direction. Shortly after this prayer, I went up to the board and moved my name from the bishopric to young men's president and scoutmaster. Both the bishop and first counselor seemed very surprised. Then the bishop said, I was feeling the same way. I just didn't want to say anything, thinking you may be offended. From that moment, everything fell into place, and within 15 minutes, we had organized each group in the entire ward. The following Sunday was like no other since so many callings were made. I at the time felt that it was the Holy Spirit that guided me that day, and it would be one of my many moments in my life where I knew that with zero doubt, the church was true. There have been other moments in my life before this experience and after that made me believe the church was 100% true and the Holy Spirit was my guide in my life, giving me those moments. Things like my inspiration to go on a mission, the conversions I had on my mission, praying for answers in the many positions I served in the church as far as callings, getting certain employment opportunities, priesthood blessings, including the birth of my special needs son, Vance Hunter. Basically, I looked at my life that all those moments where good things happened are, were manifestations that the LDS Church is true, manifested by what I thought was the Holy Spirit. All the moments that were bad in my life were either the Lord testing me to see my faith, or whatever it is that happened was simply because I was not worthy or perhaps not being obedient. So you can imagine any time I had doubts that the church wasn't true, I leaned on those moments in my life where the good things happened and I felt that I had the Holy Spirit in my heart. Most members are given what they were led to believe was the Holy Spirit when they were baptized, usually at eight years of age. Members have several experiences they lean on that are foundations of their testimony, yet we seldom consider other religions of the same type 
where their members have experiences that are profound, giving them affirmations that their church is the true church. Jehovah Witnesses have affirmations that they feel confirm the truth of their church. Catholics, Seventh-day Adventists, even the various fundamentalist LDS groups all receive the same moments of spiritual confirmations that their church is true. As LDS members, we are told that this spirit will be with us and we are to utilize it throughout our lives when we communicate with God, which makes sense. That day you find out the church isn't true, and even worse, can't be true. It's as if your whole life, all your decisions regarding the church are based on a lie. For me, this was a devastating experience, and worse, you have no one to talk you through it. You end up losing friends you've had since you were in your youth. You are immediately treated like an outcast, and worse, in some cases, it can end your marriage. But where the problem lies, one, we don't have the Holy Spirit, and two, we don't realize what it actually is and how to receive it. So let's first define our conscience and how it works. Then we can define the Holy Spirit and how it works within us and how we receive it. The conscience is something we have when we are born and is developed throughout our upbringing coupled with our life experiences. Let's compare it to a computer and break it down into three parts. First, the central processing unit. This is the part of the brain that tells your body, mind, everything what you want it to do. Next is what's called RAM or random access memory. These are quick tasks learned young that create the simple tasks such as walking, eating, and so on. Most of these things that are repetition in our lives, they are used through our, our random access memory quickly assessed. Then we have our hard drive. This is our long-term memory that is created over time through experiences at home, school, church, our friends, pretty much throughout life. For instance, we don't want to go down a dark alley at night. Why? Because we have learned through experience that bad things happen in dark alleys. This is a simple lesson, but they get more complex the older we get. And we learn by looking back at the memories in our hard drive, sometimes they were valid and other times they were not, meaning sometimes our experiences we thought taught us something only to find out it was wrong. As Latter-day Saints, we feel the, that the Holy Spirit prompts us and likewise teaches us based on either good feelings, what we are taught is called burning feelings in our heart, or bad feelings known as stupor of thought, or outright sick feelings to avoid. All these moments confirm our belief in the church based on the Holy Spirit. Our bodies, based on this conscience, will seek pleasure and avoid pain. Rather it be emotional or physical, we will always move toward pleasure and away from pain. The moments most LDS think are moments of inspiration from the Holy Spirit are just moments where our conscience was reflecting back on past experiences in our hard drive and creating a feeling in our heart of either comfort or concern, or sometimes outright sickness. Another thing that can deceive us into negative feelings or sick feelings, making us believe that we are experiencing properties of the Holy Spirit, is in reality a phenomenon called cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance is defined by Oxford Dictionary as the state of having inconsistent thoughts, beliefs, or attitudes, especially as relating to behavioral decisions and attitude change. Put in a more simple way, 
Cognitive dissonance is the mental discomfort that results from holding two conflicting beliefs, values, or attitudes. So if you're taught something your whole life that is the basis of your beliefs and all your choices are centered on that belief, only to hear or read things trying to convince you these things aren't true, that sick feeling you get isn't the Holy Spirit telling you to stay away. It's the foundation of your beliefs getting rocked to the point of nausea. Remember, we avoid pain at all costs and will always seek pleasure or comfort. You can buy books and get degrees in psychology that will teach you all about the conscience and how it's formed, how you can change it, program it, deprogram it. But that is for another day and, and not what this discussion is about. Our Father in Heaven gives us the Holy Spirit and it has a specific function that once you have it, you know the difference between it and your conscience. The Holy Spirit is the actual Spirit of God. Genesis 1.26 reads, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. When God was speaking as our, he was talking about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Spirit that was in the prophets of the Old Testament was the Spirit of God, or the Holy Spirit, which allowed them to testify. This same Spirit allowed Daniel to interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream. In the New Testament, the New Covenant, Christ made His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, available for everyone. To receive His free gift, it comes at the point of salvation when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, receiving His forgiveness of sins. Then He promises to fill you with His Spirit, and that Spirit indwells with you. At that moment, the Holy Spirit will guide you in all that deals with Christ in His Word. At the moment of our salvation, God Himself came to live within you in the person of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1.13 tells us, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that, ye believed. Ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Shortly before Jesus was crucified, he explained to his disciples that he would soon be leaving them, but the Holy Spirit would take his place in their lives. John 14:16 says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. The Holy Spirit indwells our hearts the moment we trust Christ as our Savior. From that point on, he begins ministering to our hearts in tender and significant ways. John 14, 26 reads, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. John 15, 26 reads, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And John 16, 7 reads, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Christians deal with heartaches and trials just as unbelievers do. Sometimes Christians even have additional trouble because they are Christians. Yet the Holy Spirit is there to comfort us. He reminds us of God's promises and assures us by His very presence in our lives that God has 
not let this alone. The Holy Spirit guides us to truth. Without the Holy Spirit's guidance in our lives, we would be left to navigate our way through life's daily decisions and concerns on our own. If we listen to the Holy Spirit, however, he will often bring scriptures and biblical principles to mind that speak to the needs of our lives. John 16, 13-14 reads, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you in all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show, show it unto you. Part of his work in guiding us is to help us understand the Bible. We must remember the Holy Spirit inspired the Bible. So when you are confused about the, what the Bible means, remember to ask the author who is within you to help you as you study. The Holy Spirit strengthens you for service. Ephesians 3.16, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. As we serve in our local churches, the Holy Spirit strengthens us by renewing our hope and gives us energy in proclaiming God's word. The Holy Spirit empowers our witness. I cannot convince my family, friends, all LDS members of God's truth with my own cleverness or persuasion, and certainly not by myself or my past. It is only by the Holy Spirit that I can witness to you what Christ has done for me. It is only by the Holy Spirit that you will feel the convi that conviction to know what I am saying concerning Christ and salvation to be true. Acts 1.8 reads, But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when we read Acts 5.32 and we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. He empowered the apostles in their witness to the Jews and Gentiles, and he empowers all of our witnessing to others of his salvation, a salvation that can only be had through Jesus Christ. The scriptures instruct us to be filled with the Spirit. The fullness of the Holy Spirit is not to be confused with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. As mentioned at the beginning of this message, we accepted Christ as our personal Savior. The Holy Spirit began to dwell in us permanently. But now he desires to fill us up to control our actions and reactions. Ephesians 5.18 reads, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Having the Holy Spirit doesn't mean all temptations go away. Utilization of the Holy Spirit gives us strength and allows the Holy Spirit to control our lives. Utilizing the Holy Spirit means reading God's Word every day, praying throughout the day, letting God work in your life by His Spirit. Doing so, everyone around you, those close to you, will witness this change. They will see a different person in you. Ephesians 4, 30 and 31 reads, and grieve not that the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And First Thess Thessalonians 5.19 reads, Simply, quench not the Spirit. 
Quenching the Holy Spirit takes place when we continually ignore or resist his promptings. When we do this, after a time, we will cease to hear his voice. There is nothing more frustrating than trying to live the Christian life in human strength. But God never asks us to do that. Instead, he comes alongside to guide us, invites us to surrender to him, and fills us with his power to live godly lives. When I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior on that September day back in 2020, the Holy Spirit changed me. I was no longer the hard-hearted person, quick to accuse, first to deny, giving apologies that included too many excuses and too many clauses such as but and however. My heart was softened. I had a thirst for God's word and I couldn't get enough of it and I still can't. I was sickened by the old me, the sinner, the terrible person that I, I had become. I renewed my vows with my beautiful wife, Cheryl, not to mock my temple marriage, but to show all my friends, my family, everyone in my life, that my marriage, my relationship with Cheryl, was centered on God. He is first in our lives. Cheryl was not only the love of my life, she too was saved by the grace of God and knew she was going to be with her Savior when our time on this earth was done. Cheryl and I know that our love, this Eros romantic love, will be replaced with a bigger, more pure agape love a pure love for everyone. My urgency to open the eyes of my friends isn't to tear their beliefs apart, to destroy the LDS church. My urgency is to bring everyone to Christ. To let you all know, the Holy Spirit as my witness that salvation is through Jesus Christ, dying on the cross for your sins. By putting him first in your life, accepting his grace, you can receive that salvation. The next message on My New Life will address the Bible and how we received it, how it was written by the Holy Spirit. I will also discuss some of the amazing archaeological discoveries. You'll be able to know that the Bible is the true and the only Word of God. No, others, no other books compare. I hope you tune in. Future topics will be on subjects such as the priesthood, temples, and do we still need them? how baptism is applied in the Bible, the Godhead and the beautiful truth of the Trinity, grace, which will be discussed with Pastor Ray McCormick, Christ's true church, or better known as the body of Christ, as well as many other topics, all to enlighten you regarding God's word. All these topics are not to tear you away from the LDS church. They're to help you understand God's word, how to receive salvation and be a follower of Jesus Christ. I hope you will make it a point to tune in to each topic. If you are having doubts or concerns regarding the LDS Church or would like to learn how you can know that you will return to your Father in Heaven, you can email me at mac at newlifecasagrande.com. You can be assured that our conversation will be 100% confidential. Once again, thank you for listening and have a very blessed day. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, or if you would like to meet with Mac McDonald, send your request to mac at newlifecasagran.com. Again, thank you for listening to today's message.